Jesus. Wasn't that a good word by through Tom? Hey, that preaching itself. Come on, woo! God, you're so good. Oh, you're so good. There's some things in that that I'm going to dovetail with today. That's awesome. Hey, a couple of quick announcements this morning. Um, I think the rains are coming. Hey, the rains are coming, Marge. The rains are coming again. We need it though. Whew. Break the atmosphere. Do we do we realize hopefully we do, but I think we need reminded, do we realize the spiritual battle that goes on in, around us? I think we need to be reminded of that. Because there's always there's there's some things that are raging and particularly at this time there's some things that are raging. You know, I think it's we've We've always got to be mindful that we don't come under those things and partner with those things, but we continue to live by the Spirit. Amen? Is there amen to that? We live by the Spirit. You know, talking to the Hope Ministries team that's coming up in 10 days' time, you know, they gathered together on Thursday night because they're under such attack. Every single one that's actually coming was under attack at the same time through different kinds of circumstances, but they're just under attack. You know... They're excited by that. Are we excited by that? Are we excited? Because so often, you know, we think when things get a bit tough that we need to go, oh, you know, that's the end. But no, no, it's, it's the invitation of God to trust Him because He's the one that brings the breakthrough. Amen? You know, and, and Liz, Liz would always say to me, you know, when we go to prayer on Friday night, we go into the Holy Spirit gym. We go to the Holy Spirit gym. You know, and he continues to build us up spiritually and spiritually and spiritually. And it's when you face that resistance that your spiritual muscles grow. In the same as in the natural, if you're not facing any resistance, your muscles can get really weak and flabby. But it's when you start to use them, you use your muscles, you actually start to gain strength, and it's the same spiritually. Amen? Amen. Cool. Thanks, Georgie. So, Lord, we want to thank you this morning. We want to thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and our lives. We want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you for the ministry of your spirit. And, Lord, we want to thank you for what you're doing in our lives today. Jesus, we exalt you and we declare that you would be glorified as you work in us and through us and amongst us. Amen. Lord, help us to be open, increasingly open to the ministry of your spirit and your working in our lives. Have your way in us, Lord, we pray more and more in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I cannot get off the, off the theme of the heart. You know, we had testimony and sharing Sunday and May brought a great uh, word, little word at the end of us about what? Sizzle. Yes, some people remembered May. There you go. That's awesome. A Finnish word. So, um... But as I was praying this week, Monday, Tuesday, er, earlier in the week as I was praying, the Lord just continued to speak to me about matters of the heart. You know, who feels like God is, is uh, refining them, purifying them, cleansing them, healing them? Look, Just look around you. Have a look around at their hands. You know, people are experiencing the work of the Spirit in their hearts and lives. And it's really important because just like Tom said before, when there were two thieves on the cross on either side of Jesus, one hardened their heart and one opened their heart. 
And that's what happens. When the Spirit of God begins to move, people either harden their hearts or they open their hearts. There is no middle ground. And that's what we are experiencing amongst us and in our nation at this time. The people are either hardening their hearts or they're opening their hearts. And I want to continue to encourage you that God is so good He is so kind. It's His kindness and it's His goodness that leads us to repentance. Amen? And repentance is not just a bunch of words, God, I repent of this or I repent of that. But it is a turning of your heart that has wandered away from God or an aspect of God back to God. Amen? That's what repentance is. You know, and I've heard people say, oh, you know, I don't need to be baptized, for example, because the thief on the cross didn't get time to be baptized. But you, you know what? It's a matter of the heart. His heart had turned. And he couldn't get down off the cross in that moment and be baptized, because if he, if he could, I'm sure he would, because he'd want to follow Jesus through that. But it's a matter of the heart. It's not just a, a verbal thing. Oh, I've prayed a prayer. And I think that's a, actually a lie of the enemy, if I can be so bold today, that, that says that if we pray a prayer that we are saved. Is that okay? That if, you know, we, someone prays a prayer, Lord, um, you know, blah, 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 you know, that we are saved. No, 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 because you can pray a prayer by rote and your heart is not in it. It is about your heart. It is about your response. And I hate that. And I actually use that word hate because it's really heavy. There was this thing that went through the church and maybe it still goes through the church. When at the end of the service, you know, people were said, you know, close your eyes and bow your heads. And if you want to give your life to Jesus, stand up and, you know, and, and then you, and you know, and people get told not to look. You know, man, if the Spirit of God is actually moving and working in your heart, if there is a call to respond to Jesus, you shouldn't, everyone else shouldn't have to close their eyes and bow their heads and say, don't look, because the Spirit of God begins to burn in you. Amen? Like on the day of Pentecost, they were cut to the heart and they said, what must we do to be saved? That is the kind of salvation that we need to see where the Spirit of God is moving in hearts and lives, where people go, this has to change. What must I do to be saved? Is that okay? We, we, we have deadened down the gospel to a point where it makes it so easy to walk through, but Jesus said, narrow is the way. I love the story that guy used to tell me of his mate in New Zealand where, you know, 300 youth came forward and said, I want to receive Jesus. And he said, now come out the back room and I'll share with you the gospel. And as he shared with them the gospel, half of them would leave because the Spirit of God was not moving. And in fact, he went even a little bit harder and he pressed them a little bit harder until there was only a certain people left. You know, I think that we've made it so easy and we've actually given, which I think the church does need to repent about. When I say the church, I mean, you know, the, the width and breadth that we have given people maybe a false hope where they pray to prayer and then they just go on living their life. But a disciple is one who has chosen to follow Jesus from glory to glory to glory to glory. In the same way where there's a religious spirit where I've spoken to some people from certain denominations and I won't go into that about where, but they have no guarantee of salvation because if they sin today, they have no idea if they're going to heaven tomorrow. Where is the grace of God in that? 
But as those two were on the cross, one hardened their heart and one opened their heart. And isn't that through Scripture? You know, when Stephen was preaching and he was up there, spirit-filled man and evangelist, and he was preaching, some people started to gnash their teeth at him. And he said, you know, you, you uncircumcised people, you always resist the Holy Spirit. But yet there are others that said, oh, I need a saviour. I need Jesus. Are we, is that okay? Okay. Whew. You see, because if we talk about the heart of sonship for a minute, or today, it takes two. And I've realised that over my journey, that you can have a father, but if the son is not responding... It doesn't work. In the same way that our Father sent His Son to die for us that we may live, He is still our Father, but we may not just be like sons in the way that we relate and communicate and respond. And in a spiritual sense, you can have someone who can be a spiritual father, but yet the son doesn't realize that and still acts like a child. Because it's, a, because it's a decision. Do I continue to do what I've always done? Or do I submit myself in that way? You see, God is working on hearts. And there is no doubt about it. Right across this nation. And the nations. He is wanting to release people from things that are still binding them. He's wanting to refine. It's Isaiah 40 where it says, The mountains will be laid low. The areas of pride, the areas in our life that need to be brought down, He is bringing down. But in the same way, the valleys shall be raised up. That is the areas where we are living below what God intended. He is wanting to raise up. And so He's wanting to cleanse you and refine you and heal you to raise those areas is up and the rough ground will become smooth and will become a highway for the glory of the Lord. But we all have a decision. And that is what Tom said is true. When push comes to shove, we pray for unity, but it, but it will be unity of a remnant because some will choose to wander in their hearts away from God and others will go, I need God more than ever. And my prayer is that we would be a people that say, I need God more than ever. I need Jesus more than ever. I need to know his presence. I need to know everything that he has done for me more than ever. And that's what happens when you get pressed. You either turn away or you turn to. And as I've always said, we need to break the thinking of the religious spirit that says, I have sinned, I need to run away from God. We need that broken in our thinking and off the church in Jesus' name. Because the reality is that when we have stuffed up, we can run to God. Because He already knows. He already knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're thinking. We can't hide. He knows what you're thinking. He knows the intentions of your heart. And yet He loves you and says, come here, my son, come here, my daughter. Amen. The one who, I was listening to a song by Jonathan and Melissa uh, Hessler, Helsa, whatever, Helsa, I think. I think it's Helsa. Anyway, and it says, I am your beloved. And it speaks about all these lies where the enemy is speaking into you, you know, but it actually says the one who loves, uh, the one who knows you um, most is the one who loves you best. The one who loves you 
most is the one who loves you best. How true is that? Oh. You see, the Lord is doing this because he is preparing a bride. There is a bride that is being made ready for the return of Jesus. And we can't have those areas in our hearts and lives because we need to be a bride that is dressed in fine white linen. Are we okay with that? We have to understand the days that we are living in. And God will use all things together for our good. Amen? To conform us into the image of his Son. But, you know, in Acts 7, when Stephen was preaching, that's what he said to them. You know, you always resist the Holy Spirit. It is my prayer that we would not resist the Holy Spirit, but that we would be open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us. Is there an amen to that? We, don't, we, we do not want to be a people where the Lord says of us, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you always, always resist the Holy Spirit. But I was thinking on the contrary in Acts chapter 4. This is what I want to see us as. Acts chapter 4 verse 32. The entire group of those who believed in Jesus were of one heart and mind. And no one claimed that any of his possessions was, he, was their own. Instead, they held everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And great grace was upon them all. That's what we want to see. Is there amen? I know it's hot, but you can still give me an amen every now and then. I'm really not sure whether the church in Australia has had a full revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the understanding of what Christ has actually done for us in that. I think if we live with that, it, we, if we live with that revelation, and as Tom said, if we lived with the fear of the Lord before us, that it would change the way that we act in all circumstances. He wants, he wants us. To put it another way, which is our main thought today, is that God is raising sons. And remember, biblically, daughters, you are sons. Just as men are part of the bride of Christ. Come on. He's raising sons who have authority, who have an inheritance, who know who they are. And as his ambassadors, we carry out his plans and purposes until he comes. Amen. That's what it is. We know who the Father, or we know the Father, and we know who we are in Christ. Regardless of circumstances, we know that we are loved, we are secure, and we are accepted. That nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ. And I think somewhere along the line, we all need to be reminded of that. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. That is in Christ Jesus. The Lord is calling us to live out of the resources of heaven, not of this earth. And you know, the visual thing that I always have is that he's prepared a banquet table before us and he's calling us to feast of that table and to live from that place of heaven's resources. Amen. Jesus said this in John 14. Just listen to the language of this. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. 
The orphan heart is the, is the opposite of the heart of the son. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live and you will live too. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. He goes on to say in verse 23, he says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home in him. Isn't that a beautiful picture? That we are not abandoned, we are not rejected, we are not forsaken, but the Father says, I will come and I will make my home in you. We're not living in, in the age of a temple built by um, human hands, but we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he said, I am not leaving you as orphans, but I'm coming and I am making my home in you. Is there an amen? When Jesus was baptised... And we've looked at this in the past several times. When Jesus was baptized and he, as he come up out of the water and the father said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. I think sometimes we need to meditate on that, that, that you would hear the voice of the Lord speak to you and say, you are my beloved son, you are my beloved daughter, in you I'm well pleased. And then I was thinking about in Ephesians chapter 4. And I was thinking about this verse and it says, Do not grieve God's Holy Spirit. How often does the church talk about things like that? How do we grieve the Holy Spirit? Well, you just got to keep reading the next verse. Do not grieve God's Holy Spirit because you were sealed by Him for the, for the day of redemption. So put away, put away all bitterness, anger, wrath, shouting, slander. Be removed from you along with all malice and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as God, in, just as God also forgave you in Christ. The grieving of the Holy Spirit through what comes out of us, the way that we respond and the way that we react. You know, we are... Jesus is, Tom's kind of already dovetailed in so much that I was thinking about this morning, which is just the Spirit of God, amen? And we read in Romans 8, it says that we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purposes. And this is the verse, for those He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, so that He would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, brethren, that he would be the firstborn. Amen. You see, we all slip up at times, don't we? Is there anyone here today who doesn't? We react in a situation that we shouldn't react that way. We, we, we go down a train of thinking that we shouldn't go down. I'm not talking about those, those, those moments, 
But God's talking about patterns. What are the patterns in our heart? What are the patterns in our life? So whenever the same thing happens, the, the pattern gets repeated. What are the patterns? So I'm not talking about, God's not talking about those moments, but he's talking about those patterns in our heart and those patterns in our life that we keep getting in a pattern. And he's wanting to break into that pattern and to bring release and to bring healing and to bring freedom. Is there an amen? Because we think about serving. You know, a slave, if we have a slave mindset, serving is always a duty. It's like, oh my goodness, I've got to do that again. And we probably have those moments. I have those moments, opening up the hall most Sunday mornings for the last five and a half years. I'm like, do I have to go there first again? But a son sees serving as a pleasure. A son sees serving as a delight. And so we can understand what God is doing or, you know, what, what needs to shift in our hearts. Do we see serving one another or serving the Lord as a duty under which we are judged or do we see it as serving a as a delight where we are carrying out our Father's business, where we're carrying that out? What is our mindset in that? We really are to be like ambassadors, kings and priests in Revelation, that we are kings and priests to love and serve our God. Amen. The Great Commission, that we are to go and make disciples of all nations, of all nations. We are carrying out his business. We are like his ambassadors. You know, it's whatever is, whatever is allowed on heaven is allowed on earth. And what is not allowed in heaven is not allowed on earth, which is the principle of binding and loosing. We are like ambassadors saying that is not allowed because it is not allowed in heaven. That, and that is allowed in heaven. So we bind and loose. We're carrying out the Father's business here on earth until he comes again. Is there an amen? But, it's, but it shouldn't come from a, a sense of duty. It comes from the heart. And that's why Paul talks about that love chapter. And he says, you know what? If you give everything that you have away, but you have not love, you have nothing, you've missed it. You can prophesy, you can speak in tongues, you can understand all mysteries. But if you have not love, you've just you're like a clanging gong. You can tell the difference between someone who's doing something out of love and someone who's doing something out of duty. And I pray that we would be a people that do something out of love. And I believe we are, for the foremost. When people come through that door on a Sunday, they see people there and they embrace them. But you know, when someone's given the job to be the doorkeeper and you walk in through a building and then they go, good morning. And you go, oh yeah. He wants our hearts, doesn't he? It's that chorus I used to sing a few years ago, Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every, every breath that I take, every moment that I'm awake, Lord, have your way in me. That is the position of our heart. Lord, have your way in me. I think 
largely the issues that we have in the Church of Australia of competition, jealousy, striving, stabbing in the back, performance mentality where we never measure up is because we haven't had a true revelation of sonship. We haven't had a true revelation of what Christ has done for us on the cross of Calvary. We haven't had that light moment switched on in our hearts where we realize that we are fully loved, we are fully secure and we're fully accepted. Because if we're in that place, we don't need to compete. We don't need to be jealous. We don't need to feel like we never measure up because Christ has done that for us. And the enemy always wants to make you feel like you never measure up. That is not good enough. You need to do more. And all of a sudden you realize that you've entered into a slave mindset. Do we live under law or do we live under love? As has already been mentioned today, with the fear of the Lord is you want to. Your heart is you want to. It's not I need to be holy. It is I desire to be holy. And there is a big difference between those two mindsets. I need to be a better husband or I want to be a better husband. The enemy will always want to try us to have a stay in the I need to, I need to, I need to, I need to. And if we realize that, we realize we're starting to try and do it in our own strength, out of our own effort, and we will never measure up. We will always keep failing. We will never get to where we want to be because we're trying it out of our own strength. But when we know what Christ has done for us, I want to. And when you want to, you know that that's when you start to realize who you are. And you enter into that new covenant, that love relationship, because it says that I will put a new heart in them. I will give them my spirit and I will move them to follow my decrees. Is there an amen to that? It's not I have to, religious duty, it is I want to. And then it goes on to say that a man will teach his neighbor and someone else their friend, and they will say, know the Lord. And that knowing of the Lord is not knowing more about God, it is knowing God. And as you know God, the hunger and the fire that we sang about before will get stirred up in your heart because you want to know Him more, because you taste and see that the Lord is good. As I've said before, it's like your favourite, well, it's not like your favourite meal at all, or your favourite cake or whatever, but you know, you get an appetite for something in you and you want more. That is, that, that is the heart of a son. I, I always think that if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. Is that an amen? Jesus lived 30 years as a son to his earthly father, learning his father's business. Amen? And there are times he's stuck off and he's in the temple court. And they're like, Jesus, where are you? And he said, you know, I'm about my father's business. You know, but he learned a son. And it says that he actually grew in favor with God and with man. Jesus grew in favor because of the way that he conducted himself, the way that he lived as a son. And at the appointed time, the appointed time when a Jewish boy could become a priest, there is no coincidence in Scripture. The father said it is time. And at the age of 30, he entered into his father's business. 
But see, he had learned submission. He had learned accountability. He had learned sonship in that 30 years that he continued to live his life as a son. Is there an amen to that? And I think we live in a society where we don't like that. We don't like submission. We don't like accountability. We don't like those things because it's like, that's not freedom. But it is. Because true submission is not about restriction. It is about protection. And there is so much freedom in submitting to the Father. I'm just going to read a couple of passages of Scripture Because the Lord is working in hearts. He's drawing us to himself. And I pray that we would continue to say, Lord, have your way in me, not resist and run away. But we would say, Lord, have your way in me. Uh, Have people been feeling that the last few weeks or maybe longer, that the Spirit of God is drawing you, that there's heart-searching moments, that God is revealing himself to you, and there's those heart-searching moments? Look, there's, there's so many of us, hey. In Romans 8, it says this. So then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated anymore to the flesh. Amen? We are not obligated to live according to the flesh because if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But you are called to live by the Spirit and you put to death the deeds of the flesh and you live. For those who are led by God's Spirit are the sons of God's. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to, to fall back into fear. You see, there's that fear thing again. That fear of not being loved, that fear of not measuring up. Fear, 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 fear. We've talked about fear in this nation and we have to really be careful because we've lived under something for two years now. We have to be careful we don't partner with that in any sense. But it's the same way in our thinking with the gospel, with the good news of Jesus Christ, that we need to come out of that mindset of slavery to fear and we need to live by the Spirit. Amen? Instead, you have received the spirit of adoption. By whom you cry out, Abba, Father, Papa, Papa. And the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we are God's children, then then we are also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. How cool is that? That's a passage that you can speak over yourself morning, noon and night, that I am a child of God, that I am a son, that I have been redeemed, that I I am no longer an orphan, but I am accepted in the beloved. And you start to see your thinking changed. And 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 in Galatians 3, that's the other passage I just want to read briefly from this morning. Galatians 3. We read this in verse 27. For those of you who were baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, since you are all one in Christ. Amen? And if you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's seed, you are heirs according to the promise. Now I say this, that as long as the heir is a child, he differs in no way from a slave. And isn't that our mindset? And we see in Scripture that that mindset had to be addressed at times. The writer the writer of Hebrews said, though this time you, need to, you should be teachers, you are still children in your thinking. You, you should be on meat, but you need milk. And I think the way that the church in Australia has operated, it has left people in a childish state rather than raising them up to live as sons and daughters of the king. Is there an amen to that? 
where people come and they just, you know, receive, receive and stuff, but they really don't live it out in any way. And I hope that we're a church that's, that challenges you in your life, that challenges you in the way that you live. It challenges you so that you would live for Jesus more and more and more. Amen? Because we're not called to live as a child in childish ways, in childish thinking, caught in slavery, but we are called to be a son and a daughter of the king. It's a mindset shift. Instead, he is under guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. And you see that, don't you, in, in society. I knew someone whose father died young. And so they were left without a father and without a mother. And they had an inheritance, but they couldn't get the inheritance because they were too young. It was set. By a time, because the parents were, well, when they're 12 or 13, they're not going to know what to do with it, are they? And maybe even when they're 18, they still might know not what to do with it. <laughs> Some people, when they're 25, may not know what to do with it. That's a mindset thing. But you know what I'm trying to say? But when they grow up in maturity, they can handle it wisely. It's exactly the same spiritually. And the Lord is wanting to pour out some things over your life but he wants you to realize that you have to let go of some things to be able to steward the things that he wants to give you. In the same way, when we were children, we were in slavery under the elements of this world. Spiritually speaking, when, when we are in slavery, we, the, the elements of this world still affect us. And again, I'm not saying that every now and then we... I'm talking about patterns. Are you continually under the elements of this world? Or are you able to come out from that and live for Jesus in spite of the elements? When the time came to completion, God sent his son born of a woman born under the law to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, Papa. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if, and if you are a son, then God has also made you an heir. In the past, since you didn't know God, you were enslaved to things. Isn't that the key? In the past, when you didn't know God, you become enslaved to things. But when you begin to know God, you become free. You know that verse of Scripture, it says, The old is gone, the new has come. People quote it all the time. The old has gone and the new has come. And I think we actually need a revelation of all that means for us. That the old has gone and the new has come. And no longer are we trying to live with a, with, a, with a leg either side of a line, trying to straddle something, but we need to let go of the old. And what I mean is that the ways of the world, the, 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 the fleshly thoughts, our mindsets and things that we've been under as part of the world, and we need to shut the door on that, and we go, that is old. The old has gone, and the new has come. And I need to renew my mind with the mind of Christ. In every circumstance, in, any, in, in every situation, I need to see Christ. I I need to see myself the way that God sees me. I need my speech to line up with what God is saying. Because what happens is we get in a situation, if we've been straddling for too long with both lines and something happens and all of a sudden I find my speech aligning up with the flesh, with the ways of the world and, and sin and all that corrupt nature stuff rather than aligning our mouths with, with, with God. 
And the enemy will want you to side with him and to declare these things over your life. But somewhere, somehow, we have to move from being children to becoming sons. The revelation that God has done it all for us and we can stand because he has done it. And you can stand no matter what is being spoken against you, no matter what is happening, no matter what the enemy is doing. You can stand because God has made you able. And part of that tongue last Sunday night, we probably should get a copy of that so that you can actually hear it. It is a time for an army to be raised. There's a militancy. There's a stirring up that no longer we just live with that sense of complacency that is in Australia. She'll be right, mate. It'll be okay, and we just allow things to happen. God is calling a people unto himself that says, no, that is not allowed in heaven, and we are not putting up, that, uh, up with that on earth anymore. If we had a revelation of that, there would be two million Australians praying together in groups all over the nation every week until we see that shift. I believe that. I really believe that. The early church lived that way. They came together, they prayed, they saw God move. But we're like, oh, I'll just leave that to someone else. I'll get around to that when I get around to it. We need a revelation that, yes, we are the bride of Christ in terms of intimacy and relationship, but we're also the army. And I think it's time for the church to get a bit militant. Is that okay? But you can't take down the Goliath if you do not know who you are. And God is speaking to us at this time to seal some things in our spirit, that we know who we are. We can speak to those mountains. If our hearts are right before God, we have clean hands and a pure heart, we can speak to those mountains and we can see them move. Is there an amen to that? The heart of the sun is about relationship. And we learn in that and we grow in that, don't we? As a father, you, you learn, you're still learning what it is to become a father. Unless you've had someone that has fully demonstrated what a father is to you, you learn how to become a father. And that's why the eldest one always needs more grace. Because you're working some things out on them. Because <laughs> you're learning to become a father. The eldest one needs more grace. <laughs> By the time you get to the youngest one, 22 years later, they get spoiled. What? Gee. I'm hoping he grows up in the ways of the Lord like his elder brother and his other brother and his sister. But it is about the heart. You know, a father would do anything for his son and his daughter. Any parent would do, that has a heart, would do anything for their kids, amen? And that, what, that, that, that is what Father God has done for you. He has done everything for you. And you know what? I think we just need a greater revelation of what he has done. We come back to Jesus on the cross. The music team, if you want to. We come back to Jesus on the cross. We read verses of Scripture and we are so flippant with them because we've heard them. It's like the Lord's Prayer. 
You know, I grew up in a fellowship where every Sunday we would go, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day. And you know what? It just became rote. And it wasn't in here. It was just out of here. And scripture verses can be like that. One of the most well-known verses of scripture is John 3.16, isn't it? Even people, even people that don't follow Jesus probably still have heard John 3.16 somewhere. For God so loved the world. And you can just wrote it. God so loved the world. Blah, 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 blah. But I think in the midst of that, as he calls us back to himself, as he works in our hearts, that we stand before him in that way or we kneel before him in that way and we say, for God so loved the world. God so loved mankind. God so loved me that he gave his only son. He did that for you. And when you realize that, you can't live any other way. You have to let go of stuff. You have to deal with stuff. Because you go, he gave everything for me. And the spirit within you stirs up this desire to live for him. And you know the Spirit of God is working you in that way when something has happened and you can't leave things undone. You can't just put it in the, in the closet and go, I'm just going to keep living my life. You can't do that because you feel unclean. You know, you need to catch up with Jason and have a coffee and we need to chat. No, everything's all good. Just kidding. But you know what I mean? You can't leave that undone. Because there's something that makes you feel unclean. It's the Spirit of God. And there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. And we have to be careful that we don't mix the two up. When God is convicting us of something and we go, oh, that's just the enemy condemning me. No, 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 it's the way that we respond. It's our, it's our thinking. God is not condemning you. He's saying, I want you to be free. So therefore, you need to let go of that. You need to deal with that. You need to work through that. So as we sing this song about Jesus today, my prayer is, my understanding is that the Spirit of God is moving to set people free. That's what it's about. Let my people go that they may worship me. And that might be different things for different people. That might be things that happened to you 20 years ago. That might be patterns and mindsets that you've lived with for 40 years. It might be something that happened yesterday. It might be whatever it is. But God is saying, let my people go that they may worship me. Because you cannot truly worship him in spirit and in truth without dealing with this stuff. And the Spirit of God is just moving and, and wanting us to be free that we could worship him wholeheartedly. Is there an amen to that? The Spirit of God is moving, free to live as a son, free to live by the Spirit, free to live the abundant life, the hope and the joy and the peace that Jesus came to bring, that you would be a living testimony of that hope and that joy and that life. And, you know, if the pattern in our life is that we continually are oppressed and depressed about something, there's something that needs to change. 
Because God is wanting to speak hope. He's wanting to speak life. He's wanting to speak joy. He's wanting to bring breakthrough. Is there an amen to that? And so today as we behold Him, today as we fix our eyes upon Jesus, even in this song, death could not hold Him. He gave everything for you. And my prayer is that at this time in our lives that we would let go of anything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles so we can run the race. You can't run the race if you've still got a ball and chain around your leg. You can't run the race if you've got a tie that's connecting you to someone else because unless they're traveling with you, you can't go anywhere. You have to run the race. So let's let go of anything that hinders and the sin that so can easily entangle. And let's run the race, amen.